Five Years Later by Amory Wolf, Chapter 8, Going Home. Uh, so what Ben and I do was, uh, you know, <laughs> we kind of, uh, I guess, like big paragraphs. Um, but this chapter seems to be kind of different. So he... Okay, first voice. That was actually good. I managed to spend an entire afternoon with Jeff without being stupid and giving in to temptation. Maybe I can do this friend thing after all. Second voice. You're being delusional. Just because you didn't drag him back to the hotel room for the afternoon doesn't make that platonic. First voice. We talked. We laughed. We saw a couple of sights and we had lunch. What isn't platonic about that? Okay, maybe the holding hands thing was a bit informal, but it didn't lead anywhere. Second voice, sarcastic. Is this the girl with the flowers in her hair talking? First voice, defensive. <laughs> he was right though. I've been working really hard recently and I'm exhausted and needed to relax and just be carefree for an afternoon. He just picked a cute and silly way of saying it. It doesn't need to mean any more than that. Second voice angrily. But it, but it does though, doesn't it? First voice, uncertain. No, it was just super sweet. He's always had sweet moments around me and they've never gone anywhere before. What's so different about now? Second voice. He doesn't look at you like a kid anymore. He looks at you the way you've always wanted him to. First voice. The way I used to want him to. And that's not true anyway. He looks at me like I'm somebody he hasn't seen for a long time. Who he's happy to see again, that's all. Second voice. Do you really believe that? Really? First voice. Yes. After all, if he was pining for me, would he have spent most of the summer sleeping with someone else after that kiss? Second voice. At least you admit the kiss happened. Now admit it was an amazing kiss. The sort of thing that people who are much more than just friends do. First voice. No. Okay. It was a good kiss. But Jeff's always been good at that. But it was just... But it was a kiss fueled by alcohol and memories. It belonged to the past, not the future. And stop changing the subject. Why would he be sleeping with someone else if he was pining for me? Second voice, sarcastic. Oh, right. Because there's no way the fact he spent the entire summer sleeping with an overachieving workaholic with relationship issues who used to fight with him all the time and now hero worships him could have anything to do with you. First voice, outraged. She's about seven feet tall, and she doesn't hero-worship him anyway. There's no way he looks at her and thinks of me. No, he's moved on and only sees me as a friend now, just like I've moved on and only seen him as one. Second voice. I'll agree. I'll agree you both look at each other the same way, at least. First voice. I don't think I didn't, don't think I didn't notice what you did there. Second voice. 
Hooray! She's not completely blind, at least. First voice. It doesn't matter what you think anyway. He lives almost 2,000 miles away. There's no way we can be anything other than friends. That's what we're going to be. And I have someone here who loves me. It makes me happy. That's the relationship I'm going to work on. Second voice. You said he loves you and makes you happy. First voice. Yes. So? Second voice. You didn't say you love him. First voice. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, second voice. We both know who you're really in love with, don't we? First voice. No, that's not fair. Jeff and I have a special connection, but ju it's just as friends. I love Paul, and that's the relationship I need to work on. That's the relationship I'm going to work on. Second voice. That's something else we agree on. It's a relationship you need to work on. First voice. It's two I need to work on. I'm going to work on being a friend to Jeff and a girlfriend to Paul, and I'll do it. I've always been good at hard work. Second voice. If relationships are hard work, you're doing it wrong. Pick one and throw everything you have at it. Just make sure it's the right one. First voice. No, I can do this, and I will. You can beat the rest. <laughs> Ryan. Any Edison had been had seen a lot of movies and cartoons that depicted the character's internal thought process as an angel sitting on one shoulder and a devil sitting on the other, arguing. She had thought that if it ever happened to her, she would find it easier to tell that which was the angel and which was the devil, though. I'm making I'm the right decision. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I'm making the right, right. decision. She thought to herself as she emerged from Metro and headed towards where she parked the car. I can be friends with Jeff, and I can be with Paul. I can do what's best for me. Thus, resolved, she took out her phone and typed a message to Jeff. She didn't hesitate over the wording. Uh. Jeff made his way home, thinking melancholy thoughts about just what Annie's goodbye meant. Goodbye for now. Goodbye forever. He looked at the flower pinned to his chest. This is a promise that we'll see each other again. Or something to hold on when she disappears again. He flickered through the pictures he'd taken on his camera. But always came back to the one he'd taken just after putting the carnations in her hair. Wondering if that he ruined everything. His phone vibrated as he walked. Up the drive to Mark's house, he picked it up, swiped sideways up to call the message he received. Today was a good day. I hope we can do it again too. Love, Annie. He smiled for the first time since saying goodbye to her, and his back straightened as though a huge weight had been lifted from his shoulders. Maybe it'll be okay after all, he thought. Annie's back in my life, and even if we'll only ever be friends, that's still worth having. Still smiling, fired a quick response. Bank on it. It was a good day for me too. Love, Jeff. Then he opened the front door to Mark's house and stepped inside. Hey, Jeff, you're back! Mark walked out of the kitchen, dressed casually in shorts and t-shirt. Accompanied by Natalia in a white bikini, he grinned and tried to peer at Jeff. Hey, what's going on, Mark? 
Mark was still feeling Natasha Dark with Chichuria party. You're going to you're going away as it was your last night. So we caught up a few friends. Here we are. Dodge. That's how they say it. Oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted by someone coming in. Dodge. Uh, Natalia said in her heavy accent. Can't go without real goodbye. She smiled at him. I don't know what that was. Um, Mark had taken a hold of Jeff's elbow and was steering him through the kitchen to the back garden where he saw about 30 people, maybe half of whom he recognized from socializing with Mark throughout the week. Milling around the pool, drinking beer and eating barbecue being cooked by a uniformed caterer. There was a sudden scream followed by a splash as one of Natalia's model friends, Iveta, Jeff thought it was, jumped into the pool. Hey everyone, it's Jeff, Mark called out. Hey Jeff, about half of them were right? Jeff was more than already been greatly improved by Annie's text. Grin as he saw the body and took a swing of the pier Mark had just given him. A journey that should have taken. <laughs> should I just okay? A journey that should have taken just over four hours at that time of the day had already had actually taken six once the chaos caused in by an overturned truck outside Richmond had been resolved. With the result that Annie didn't get back to Paul's house until well after midnight, she told herself she didn't want to disturb him by coming to bed so to bed that late. So she got a pillow and blanket out of the linen club, cupboard and prepared to make a bed on the couch. As she prepared to brush her teeth in the bathroom, she caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror and hesitated for a long moment as she saw two slightly wilted carnations still tucked into her hair over her right ear. She had quite forgot about them in the long journey home. With a sad smile on her face, she carefully untangled them from her hair and stood stood them in a glass of water while she brushed out her hair and brushed her teeth. When she settled down to sleep, she put the glass with the flowers in it on the well, flowers in it on the coffee table next to her head. It was the last thing she saw as she, the last thing she saw as thinking uncertain thoughts, she closed her eyes and went to sleep. Chef was also going to bed well after midnight, despite the need for an early start. He had allowed Mark to convince him to stay up. He was the guest of honor after all. He had at least gone to bed alone, despite some pretty unsubtle hints from Marietta that she would be more than happy to keep him company. Chef pouted when he smilingly turned her down. Oh, he had been thoroughly interested. She was very, very tempting in a blue bikini, and it did his ego no end to see that he still had it. But he explained about his long journey in the morning and how could he possibly risk tiring himself out before even starting? When he told her where he was going, she cheered up again and demanded his phone number, saying there was a possibility she could be skiing in Aspen that, summer, that winter. I may not be the youngest guy here, but I am the one in the best shape. Jeff had always thought himself complacent. Jeff had thought himself complacently in response to the model's interests. And if there was a part of him that had turned her down because it would have been the wrong way to end a perfect day with Annie, he kept that locked away. And
Annie woke to the feeling of her shoulder being gently shaken. She opened her eyes and saw a cup of coffee being held out to her. She sat up, smiled as she met Paul's gaze, and took the coffee. Sleeping, oh, that's, <laughs> that's Paul. Sleeping when he wakes. <laughs> he said with a smile of his own. Uh, what are you doing down here? Thanks, hon, she said, taking a sip from the coffee. I didn't get back until late and didn't want to disturb you. Annie, how, how many times do I have to tell you? He was grinning He was now. grinning <laughs> You climbing into my bed is not a disturbance. He leaned forward and kissed her on the forehead. She smiled at him as he pulled away. It's good to have you back, babe. Breakfast is almost done. I'll come through when you're ready. Paul's a good man. He's here. And he's real. He could be ha- you could be happy with him, you know, she thought to herself as she watched him retreat, humming a tune she recognized. Her eyes fell on the coffee table and saw the water glass with two carnations in it. The words to the tune Paul was humming came to her. Oh. Uh. Actually, I don't know the song. <laughs> I'm just going to read it. Sorry, Amory. <laughs> Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Remember me to who one lives there. She once was a true love of mine. Unbidden, a tear sprang up from the corner of her eye. Angrily, she wiped it away and went for breakfast. Or went out Jeff for breakfast. Jeff was standing by his Jaguar. Hours later, he intended to start. <laughs> it's not as though he had to rush back. Mark and Natalia were also there, biting him goodbye. Think about what I asked you, okay? Mark said with a smile. Late the previous evening, and more than three quarters drunk, Mark had observed him after watching him for a week, and it was obvious Jeff was a natural at the lobbying game, and Mark could find him a job if he wanted more. Jeff had thanked him, but he said he'd already signed a contract with Greendale for another year. Mark had observed he was a lawyer and could find a way out of him, but otherwise didn't push it. I will. There's only one compelling reason to move out of there here for good, and it's not a decision I'm thinking without her. I'm not talking to her. Don't leave it so long until next time, Mark said, closing it for a hug. He backed off. Natalia came in for a hug on her own. Does Vedanya Jeff come back soon? She pulled away, smiling. Goodbye, guys. That was great. Jeff said with a smile of his own as he climbed into the jack. He put the car into gear and eased it down the drive, returning the waves the other two directed at him as he left. Ah, that was chapter eight. That was, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, we have time, so. We have time. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to the next one. Okay. All right. Chapter 9. I really said I thank Jeff. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I was reading the author notes. <laughs> oh, okay. Go for it. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, really? Do we, we don't? There's not? <laughs> oh, no, we don't. <laughs> okay, okay. I just realized what I said, and I was like, oh, no, we don't. Uh, uh, Annie was, for the most part, as good as her word. She tried to be a good girlfriend. She was affectionate, shared Paul's interests, was happy when he tried to share hers, and did her best to get on with his family. And indeed, as time passed, her inner turmoil died down a little. There were always distractions, however. Annie had a few minutes to spare before the start of the season finale of Second Chances. While Paul finished up in the kitchen, she'd opened a, she'd opened a bottle of wine, poured a glass, and switched on her tablet. She smiled when she saw an online light against a, a familiar name and a message. Chef Winner. Hi. Any smile grew after the last time they saw each other. Jeff had first messaged her the day he got back to Greendale. Uh, uh, oh, why can't I say this word? <laughs> uh, ostensibly to let her know that he got home safely. That conversation had been brief, but they'd been getting longer recently. Hi. What you doing? Seriously, professor, is that the standard of English you're teaching your students? Well, size. <laughs> what are you doing? Tongue out. And it's English special region. <laughs> Smiley face. Har har, Jeff. But seriously? Lounging on the couch in sweatpants and shirt waiting for Abed's show to start and drinking heavily. Sweatpants and a shirt. Sad face. Down boy. Smiley face. Can, you can't possibly know what I am thinking. What I was thinking. Oh, I think I know exactly what you were thinking. Annie rolled her eyes and smiled. Their conversations had not only been getting longer, they'd been getting more informal. Sorry. Smiley face. What about you? The same. Britta, Greg, and Ian have come around to watch the season finale. Ian has devised a drinking game. I thought he was sober now. He is. I think his plan is to drink tea and bitterly mock us until we at us as we get drunker and record any indiscretions for blackmail material. Drunker? You're not the only one who's started already, smiley face. This is the trendy dance episode after all. <laughs> ah, scared face. <laughs> you don't need to remind me. What's the bad thing we have sex tonight? Oh, Annie smiled and shook her head. She knew she should tell Jeff to calm it down. She really did. But he only got really informal when he was tipsy, like now. And yes, there was a part of her that would always be 19 and excited by that, by the, by the idea <laughs> um, that Jeff Winger thought she was sexy, even if she didn't like to admit it to herself. But he was almost 2,000 miles away. Nothing could come out of it, right? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jim and Hannah have sex and no bet. I'm scared at the direction Alba's been taking this. 
Yeah, ever since he had Roy knee hook up with Kamal in the laser tag episode, it's just always been clearing the decks for this. Though he did have Jim shoot the pair of them in a fit of jealous rage immediately afterwards. I know, and Bryony's been apologizing ever since. It wasn't Kamal Jim, it was the man in black, clapping face. Just because you ran away from home with a Johnny Cash tribute act. Still cooler than Radiohead. Speak of the devil. Gotta go now. Brita's throwing things at me. You can't risk that face. Good night, Jeff. Night, babe. Good night, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw the, I, saw, I, I saw Paul's <laughs> <laughs> Um. Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, she had a joke for Paul said. <laughs> and he realized she was still smiling. Britta and a few of the others were at, who were at Greendale back in the day and are still around with having an end-of-season party. It just sounds like they're already more than half drunk before the show even starts. You're joining them by the looks of it. He pointed at Winter the half empty bottle and the glass in front of her. I'm just expecting a stressful episode. She picked up the glass and shuddered slightly. Paul looked puzzled for a moment, then frowned as he remembered an earlier conversation. This is the time he kissed him, isn't it? The next time. And he nodded. This is... <laughs> it, uh, it was also the last time until I left to join the FBI. And that was strictly a goodbye kiss. This one was a big one, though. And I'm slightly worried about what Abed's going to do with it. She had pretty much stopped talking to Paul and instead seemed to be talking to her memories. I bet he doesn't have his hero go, Oh, I'm too mature and grown up to hang around with a silly teenage girl. I'll just throw her away like a half-eaten sandwich and ignore her until I have to face her again. Annie surprised herself slightly at how bitter the memories still were. Maybe he has some idea of how I felt now. She thought suddenly. She thought, she thought suddenly remembering his letter and how he must have felt after seeing her run back into her hotel after the kiss in D.C. It always cheered Paul up to hear Annie say something critical about Jeff, so he threw his arm around her shoulder and pulled her in for a hug. The ghost jokes. He said firmly. It says a lot about you that you will be able to forgive him and still be friends after that. Thanks, Paul. She smiled up at him. Oh, it's starting. The theme tune of the show had started to play. Get stopped now, Britta. Jeff grumbled. Britta and Duncan were standing by Jeff's notice board, where he displayed a copy of his degree certificate, photos of the study group, and other mementos. She had been throwing screwed up bits of paper at him to attract his attention. What the hell's this, Jeff? Jeff wandered over to them and saw they were looking at a new picture a few weeks earlier, not long after his regular messenger exchanges with Annie had started. 
here printed out and pinned up a copy of the picture Annie with carnations in her hair and a soft smile on her face. In his sentimental moments, he liked to look at it while chatting with her. Oh, <laughs> oh Duncan? Uh, he's a pretty <laughs> thing. You... I'm going to put you this so hard. <laughs> she's a pretty thing. There's no doubt about that. Reminds me of somebody. Duncan was peering close at the picture. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. Uh, <clears throat> that's because it's Annie. Put a snap. Put a snap. <laughs> and a recent one, too. Why have you got a picture of Annie on your wall, Jeff? <laughs> you know I met her while I'm a BC widow. Jeff was sounding defensive. You can't be surprised I took a picture of her. Fine, but that doesn't explain why she looks like a hippie out of a 60s road movie, or why the picture's on your wall. Jeff was feeling increasingly uncomfortable with the direction the conversation was taking. The picture's on my wall because I like it. He pointed at another picture. It's no more suspicious than having a picture of Taylor and ask, from when you blackmailed me to take you to the state fair. I'd volunteer to help staff help staff the vegetarian society's stand and needed a lift and a babysitter, she mumbled. Jeff oh, ignored her and up. carried on talking. She had been working hard and was looking tired and stressed, so I bought her flowers to cheer her up. I may have got the idea to put them in a hair from a song I listened to a few times while driving there. There is no more to it than that. Ah, uh, that good. Yeah, me did. Never mind. Okay. Um, someone's <clears throat> told me there's a girl out there with a love in her eyes and flowers in her hair. Duncan surprisingly interrupted. How the hell do you know that? That's a plan off from my hotel, Jeff. The Englishman grinned at him in satisfaction at catching him by surprise. The mystery isn't why I know their songs, it's why you do. But I refuse to be distracted by distraction by a discussion of 70s English folk group. So, Annie's your girl with flowers in her hair, and you're still telling us you're just platonic friends? Britta's arms were crossed, and she was glaring at him. Bite me. <laughs> Get oh, over no. here, everybody. It's starting crack school. <laughs> Interrupting the argument before it could escalate. Jeff grumbled and followed Greta and Duncan over to the sofa. He drew himself down next to Greta Force and cut his scramble sideways into Duncan to avoid being crushed. Well played, old chap, Duncan said, grinning as he draped an arm over the blonde's shoulders. She glared at his presumption. It's not going to help against him anyway. As the episode progressed, he contented himself with claiming the rules of his drinking game while the artists watched the show. Feminist Morlocks drink up Greta, right? Bryony? Bryony so. was ranting about nominate, being nominated as Queen of the Graduate Spotlight Dance. Or the G Sport Dance, as the Dean, dean called it. Britta now but took the slack of vodka. Inappropriate home. Inappropriate homoeroticism. The Dean was stroking Jim's facts. Cracked sniff and sip this martini. 
Sorry. Uh, Disney Eyes, your turn, Winger. Oh, wait, sorry. My bad. That was, let me do that again. Sure. Disney Eyes, your turn, Winger. Hannah had just told the Addis she was leaving with her boyfriend, Dark Mock, who had been recruited by a robo metal band in Portland. And her face had melted as Jim had given a speech about how much she'd been missed. She helped them at least twice as long as any of the artists. Did you really decide to leave college to follow a drugged up musician halfway across the country? Paul looked disbelieving. Well, Vaughn was a hippie, not a men. Sorry. Well, oh no, I should do the Annie well, huh? Well, Vaughn was a hippie. Not a metal guitarist, and he was going to Delaware to play hacky sack. But yes, Annie was cringing slightly at how crazy the whole episode had been. And Jeff was the only one you gave advance warning to. I thought he was the one most likely to just support me, and if he was warned, he wouldn't let the others tell me how crazy I was being. But you were. She snuggled up against him. I know. Oh. Croker, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're a pig. Jim, you're a joke. <laughs> Professor Pink to say. The two women had discovered that Jim, distracted and trying to avoid making a scene, had somehow managed to promise to take both of them on a date. Are you a an apology, Brian? <laughs> Briony? Think for it. This ass played us both. Thanks, Professor. What say we? She noticed Jim had slipped out in the growing disorder. I got off surprisingly light there, but I said, I may owe Abed an apology. You? Cut off lightly. I look like a jerk. Jeff mumbled. Rumbled. So what else is new? Jim, Jim walked, walked out, out of the, the gym. gym. <laughs> <laughs> he saw a familiar figure on the steps outside sitting quite alone with a couple of bags by her. He walked up and sat down beside her. Hi, Morse. He said with a soft smile. Hi, Jim. She replied with a slightly sad smile of her own. What are you doing here? Mark and I are over. I always said he was an idiot. Hannah smiled at that. He said I lacked credibility as a robo-metal girlfriend, and I needed to change my look and attitude to fit in with his image. I told him if, I, if he loved me, he'd accept me the way I was and wouldn't try to reduce me to part of his image. The shouting got worse until I demanded he turn the car around and bring me back. And I told him I didn't want to see him again. We're over, Jim. Hannah repeated. She looked more relieved than disappointed. Jim put his arm around her shoulder and pulled her into him. She rested her head on his shoulder. Yes. Was all he said. Hannah turned her head slightly to look in his eyes. What about you, Jim? 
Where are you out here? He shuddered. He shuddered. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I somehow managed to ask both Bryony and Petra out. I, I didn't even need one to. I was just trying to avoid a scene. I was going to sort that out tomorrow, but they found out first. I needed to get out before they organized the lynch mob. That was really stupid, Jim. She was smiling now. How did you get into that mess? Well, Bernie is a good friend who is fun to be, but doesn't make any demands. It's easy to imagine just kicking back and being myself with her. I trust tough and challenging, but forces me to try and be the best I can be. They both sound like good things. She was resting her head on his shoulder again. The thing is, like, I like being me, you know? I just want to be better at it. I need somebody who accepts me as I am, but still encourages me to be better than I am. Do you know anyone like that? Yes, I do. Oh, he pulled away from her slightly and took hold of the point of her chin. Her eyes widened in a surprise as, with a warm smile, he closed in for a kiss. It was soft and unhurried, and they were both smiling when they separated. Hey? He said. Hey, she said. <laughs> Look, I know this really lousy Italian restaurant. The sort of place that couldn't afford to turn away a pair of rejects like us. Will you let me buy you a, fa a dinner, fair lady? Her smile broadened with a full beam. Lead on, Sir Knight. She put her arm around his waist. He put his across her shoulder. Or shoulders, sorry. He picked up one of her bags with his free hand. She with she the others. She the other with hers. <laughs> Thus entwined, they walked off in the direction of the car park. Fade to black and credits. That was surprisingly sweet, Britta said softly. Are you all right, Jeff? He was sitting motionless, eyes suspiciously bright, thinking guilty thoughts as he remembered a rush con rushed conversation and then disappearing for three months, and thinking suddenly that he now knew what it felt like when somebody you cared about did that. Are you all right, babe? Paul said Paul's with sudden concern. And his eyes were moist with tears and she was dabbing the corners of them with a paper tissue. Yes, sorry. I just wasn't expecting it to be so... well... Romantic? Something like that. She put she her put arms, her arms around him. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. And squeezed tightly. He kissed the top of her head. But expression on his face was thoughtful and conflicted. He was happy he reached out, reached for him when she was unhappy. But he had rather more mixed feelings about her having such a strong reaction to a romanticized depiction of her relationship with that Jeff guy. Jeffrey, do you need a hug? Craig said hopefully. Jeff's not all his dear. No, it's nothing serious. Just took me by surprise, that's all. Oh my god. I've Pretty got it. <laughs> I've got it. 
seeing a version of him not being a jerk has reminded him of just how big of a jerk he was, kissing poor Annie and then vanishing until fall, and he's feeling guilty about it. My name is Britta Perry, and I'm a therapist. She had a jubilant expression on her face and held her hand out for a high five. Somewhat hesitantly, Duncan slapped it. <laughs> Britta, just said in a warning tone of voice. She was entirely too close to the truth for his comfort. She interrupted him. I know, Jeff. Too good at this blur, blur. Need to start smoking pot again, blur, blur. Her face changed from mocking to serious. Just think about this. If you're feeling like this, how do you think Annie is feeling? I don't know what relation I don't know what relationship it is you think you have going with her, but I think it would be for your own good to say something to her before she gets to stew on this. Jeff looks slightly stunned. Brother, I'm only gonna say this once, but without irony, you're really good at this. Expression changed as a surprised smile lit up her face. They continued speaking. Now, if you excuse me, guys, I'll see you next week for the eve of Thanksgiving party. I've got a message to write. I'm not going anywhere, Jeff. Put aside. My child is asleep in your spare room, remember? My. And I was hoping for some rumpy pumpy. Duncan said. Not with Taylor in the room. Britta snarked. No, I'm your serial driver anyway, he grumbled. <laughs> Craig looked crestfallen. Jeff sighed. Craig, you can stay too if you make sure my glass of scotch never drops below one third full. Craig fled from his seat with a happy yelp while Jeff reached for his tablet. <clears throat> what with one thing and another, Annie didn't get around to checking her messages again until the following morning. When she did, and saw one from Jeff, she was tempted to ignore it until she got home from work. However, curiosity got the better of her. Jeff wonder. It is humbling to watch a fictional version of myself treat a fictional version of the most extraordinary person I know with the decency and attractiveness she deserved. But then did not get out and get in real life. I believe I had reasons at the time for behaving so badly. None of them stand the test of time. And all I'm left with is an overwhelming sense of gratitude that you were so much better than I was. That you still wanted me to be your friend after all the pain I caused you. I'm so sorry, Annie. I'm so very sorry. And thank you for everything. Annie read it through twice. Damn you, Jeff. Just when I'm getting a good head of steam behind getting angry with you, you always find the right thing to say to take all of the fun out of it. Take all the fun out of it. When Jeff woke up in Colorado, he was surprised to see a reply had arrived to his message of the night before. I like you because you're a shallow, selfish, Ass, not despite it. Wait, what? Oh, I like you because you're a shallow, selfish ass, not despite it. Never change, Jeff. Jeff smiled, 
suddenly got up and went to put his coffee pot on his, on his overnight guest. The following week, Jeff Winger's eve of Thanksgiving party was a tradition that traced its origins to the Thanksgiving he had visited, his estranged father. The aftermath of which he which saw him express his gratitude to the bunch of misfits who had become his adopted family by laying a Thanksgiving dinner on them on for them in the study room. The following year, he had moved it to the day before Thanksgiving and opened it up to the uh, up to the whole of the Save Greendale community 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 committee <laughs> but it served the same purpose to provide a refuge for a group of people who in many cases were poorly socialized if not outright broken to find friendship and company for an evening before heading off to the dubious bosoms of their biological families this year in addition to those who had been pre present at the previous week's party mel callahan would be visiting as much to everyone's pleased surprise, was Frankie Dart, who had taken a break from her current job of turning around a failing health, failing health care provider in Collins to visit her old friends for the holiday. Do you know how great it is not to be the tallest woman in the room? She's, she'd said when being introduced to Callahan. No. The redhead had replied, but with a smile. She waved away Frankie's stuttering apologies with a simple, Do you want to go and make fun of the midget? While pointing at Britta. So you were never tempted to make a clean sweep of the particular coven, Duncan said, looking at the tree woman chatting. Jeff looked at him with baffled then disbelief, as he realized what the Englishman was saying. First of all, gross, and second, the team Frankie plays for was and remains a closely guarded secret. I'm pretty sure you once said you thought she fancied you, old boy. That was during a summer ball that turned into a paintball fight. I was wearing a tux, and sexual orientation is no defense against finding the side of me. And the tux, ha, huh. Jeff said complacently. This is true, Duncan said absentmindedly. What? For Annie, Thanksgiving was also on the Wednesday. Paul's son was having the actual holiday with his mother's family that year, so Paul's family was having the main event the evening before. Annie had made candied yams as an offering and put on a com conservative dress, and had set her sights on no set her sights no higher than surviving the evening without a breakdown of some sort, something which she intended to do by spending as much time as possible with Paul's sister in law sisters in law, who, as fellow outsiders, had unreservedly welcomed her to the group. Mm. It really isn't gonna be that bad, you know, Paul said to her with a pathetic smile as they waited for the front door of his parents' house to open. Hello, James, said Annie, as Paul's son opened the door. He ignored her. James! Paul about sharply. Hello, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Annie had a brave smile fixed on her face. What are you listening to? She said as she walked through the door into the house. He hadn't taken the headphones out of his ear once. He considered ignoring her again. 
but saw the expression on her, his dad's face and grudgingly showed her the display on the front of his phone. Artist, Smiling Menace, Album, Going Viral, Track 4, Oslo Puritans. He's a good friend of mine, you know. Annie said suddenly. <laughs> James' expression went, went flat and hostile. There's no way, you know, Smiling Menace. Still <laughs> were... Go ahead, go ahead. Anita. He was still walking and had almost reached the lounge. Annie had passed the yams to Paul and was fishing in her bag for her phone while she talked. We went to high school and college together. Sorry. Uh, she said, um, Oh, that was me. Oh, that's why. <laughs> we went to high school and college together. She, she said. Him, me, and Abed Nadir, the director who shot his most recent video, shared an apartment for over two years. She got her phone out and opened her cloud storage app and found the picture she was looking for. See? I mean, see for yourself. She passed it to James and showed a picture of Abed as Inspector Spades Time, Troy as Constable Reggie, and Annie as Geneva Stilton. We were going to a costume party as characters from a British sci-fi show. Really know him? James actually sounded impressed by Annie for the first time. Tell me everything. Uh, Annie's face lit up as she started talking. Paul smiled indulgently as he took the yams through the kitchen through to the kitchen where his mother was putting the final touches to dinner. Oh, right. Why is Duncan going around telling bad, old, odd one-out jokes? Frankie had worked her way around to Jeff. Oh, crap. Jeff said with a shudder. Not an answer, Jeff. Jeff took another slug of his scotch. It's because you're the only woman here I haven't slept with yet. That's none of his... Wait, what? Wait, yet? <laughs> Frankie looked like she was about to explode with rage. Period. I mean, slept with period. Jeff said Frankie. Strictly force of him. I promise. Frankie looked skeptical, but calmed down. You were cute and all, Jeff, she said. But ignoring anything else, you only had eyes for Annie. So did you. Oh, Jeff suddenly found himself wondering just how much scotch he'd actually drunk. Frankie looked like she was about to explode again for a moment and thought about it and calmed down. She's one of a kind, Jeff, Frankie said instead. Liking her doesn't settle your pull. You still haven't forgotten that, have you? Jeff thought to himself. He clinked his glass again to an acknowledgement instead. So, what's she doing now? Jeff looked at her in surprise. Hasn't she friended you yet? I'm not on social media. I thought you knew that. You and virtually no one else. I'll email you a link. She's an FBI agent in Virginia. She's doing really well, and has a boyfriend who makes her happy. Frankie thought for a moment at that. She had thought there was something unhealthy about Jeff and Annie's relationship at the time. 
But there was no denying how close losing her had come to breaking him. And besides, he was a friend and she didn't like hearing the note of loss in his voice. I'm sorry to hear that, Jeff, she said. That's how things break, Frankie. Sometimes you only get one chance. Annie was actually smiling as the evening wound down and they prepared to leave. I'll email you the pictures, I promise, James, she said to Paul's son as, he, as she said her goodbyes. The boy smiled at her and said his thanks. The rest of the family watched them leave with a gentle, uh, genial chorus of goodbye, or I mean, sorry, by Paul's and by Annie's ringing in their ears. See, it wouldn't be so bad. Paul said with a grin as he came up to the car. Annie sighed with relief. If I'd known all it took to get them to like me was to tell them stories of how crazy I was in college, I'd have done it so much sooner. <laughs> Even mom was laughing as he told her the story about how the entire school was turned upside down to hunt for the murderer of a yam. Paul was smiling on the outside, but on the inside, he was feeling a lot more conflicted. He was not a foolish man, and he had noticed how many of the stories that he told, especially the ones she seemed fond of, seemed to involve Jeff and working together without anyone else. She tells me she's long since over in crush, she said, and they're just friends now, given how old he is. But you don't smile like that when you're just thinking about friends. Paul? And he derailed his train of thoughts. You know it's my 30th birthday in a month's time, right? Yes, babe. Why? I think I'd really like to invite all my old friends and try and make a reunion out of it. We can try, but the time has got to be tight. Oh, do you have something in your eyes? You look like you're trying to blink, but can Ah, that's better. Let's get you home. That was my, dis my best Disney eyes. <laughs> Sorry. I thought I had grit in them. A part of Annie that would be forever Greendale was, and was awoken by her storytelling was fuming. The month between Thanksgiving and her birthday was stressful for Annie. Sending out the invitations had been the easy part. Jeff, Britta, Chang, Shirley, and Abed all responded almost immediately. Abed was asked to pass an invitation to Tro onto Troy, as Annie did not have contact details for him. Annie had wanted a small, intimate party that would, make it, that would enable her to focus on her friends. But the guest list had started growing as Paul started adding friends and family outside the core group of mutual acquaintances Annie was happy with, leading to several increasingly angry arguments as their tension increased. I barely even know the Davidsons. I'm sorry, but if they hear the Kittigans were invited and they weren't, they'll be deeply offended. And I'm going for a promotion next year. I will need Julia's goodwill. It's my birthday, Paul. And so on. <laughs> then there was a desperate ring round to find a venue that wasn't booked up for the last Saturday before Christmas. They eventually found a hotel charging only three times the going rate. And catering and a DJ, Paul had a cousin who had a boyfriend who stepped up to the plate for that one. 
which meant even more invitations for people Annie didn't know well, and numerous other things, which meant that by the time the by the time the week before the party came around, Annie was on a hair trigger temper and snapping at all and sundry and just desperately hoping for the day itself to arrive so she could finally relax and enjoy herself. Annie, I've had a crazy day. Can you say something that will make me laugh? Frank's broken asleep. Jeff, why would that be funny? Have you ever heard of the new 101 Dalmatian film? The one with Selena Gomez as Cruella DeVille? That's the one. Greg was excited. So excited, I mean. Dalmatians and Selena Gomez? Then he decided to catch up the night before the tickets went on sale to make sure he caught it. His ASAP. He was wearing a Dalmatian onesie. And it was snowing. And the snowplow didn't see him. And he didn't wake up in time to avoid it. That's not funny, Jeff. Well, maybe a little. And that means he wouldn't make your party, though. Sad face. So, why do you need the benefit of my wit and charm? I went shopping for a party dress with Paul's brother's wife today. Ah, uh, silly bitch, was she? Actually, Ursula's, Ursula is lovely. She's just tall and slim and built like a runway model. This is it, bitch. Winking face? Har har, Jeff. The problem wasn't Ursula. It was the sales staff. They were all over her for the opportunity to serve somebody their clothes were actually designed for. And they all but ignored me, frown. One even suggested that somebody as short as me would be better off looking in the children's section, angry face. Yeah, I can think of all sorts of reasons why that would work, dancing monkey. <laughs> Sorry? I don't understand that emoji. Annie's boobs. Jeff! Shocked face, blushing face, smiley face. Sorry, Annie. Winking face. But seriously, anybody who could look at you for more than a nanosecond and think, children's department should be fired for gross idiocy. Did you at least get the dress you're looking for? Thanks, Jeff. And yes, I did. Good. One less thing to worry for you to worry about. I'm sure you'll rock it. Thanks. What about you? I will be immaculate, as always, smiley face. I haven't had a chance to buy anything new. Brenda decided she and Dave needed party dresses and demanded I come along. I was too busy shepherding those two to buy anything other than a new pair of cufflinks and a tie. Sad face. It's not like Brenda to care about a man's opinion. Especially yours. If you ask me, she only wanted me to dare to tell Taylor she looked cute in pink. Taylor refuses to wear anything else, and Brenda thinks it's too gender normal something and or another, and refuses to encourage her. Normative. Why didn't she take her boyfriend along? Duncan. That's London. His mother's got only days to live, apparently. Aww, that's sad. Sad face. If you believe Duncan, she's been at death's doors for about five years now. He thinks it's just a plan to get him back for Christmas. 
I haven't managed to cheer you up yet. A little. Thanks again, Jeff. Smiley face. And sorry, but I've got to go. See you at the party. Even if you don't have any soup, I'm sure you'll make an old one worth looking at. Wink. What just happened? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just I need disconnected. And then my oh, okay. camera was on. All right. I'm okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, I finished my line. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, okay. Do you want to reply to S's comment? I just noticed it. I'm so sorry, S. Huh? Uh, oh. <laughs> I was not okay. looking at the chat. Bad on it. Bad on it. Cool face. See you at a party. Bye, Annie. Goodbye, Jeff. Thanks again for the chat. Smiley face. Annie was smiling as she shut down her tablet. She really did have to go. There were some last minute minute uh last minute partying party planning issues that just couldn't wait. But she was getting tired of having to hide her chats with Jeff from Paul. That wasn't too bad, was it? Why can't Paul understand Jeff and I really can just be friends? One thing she was really hoping the party would achieve was that once Paul and Jeff met Paul, would, oh, met, Paul would see that her and Jeff really were just good friends and he could just set aside his jealousy so that she didn't have to hide from her boyfriend the fact that she was chatting to Jeff anymore. Oh, do you want us to read your dedication? <laughs> oh. Oh, well, we're on chapter 10 now, actually. Yeah. About to. <sighs> what? I know, I, I just noticed uh, <laughs> person who wrote yeah. this here. I went, when yeah. you, when you were like, do you want us to read the dedication? I was like, huh? And then I just looked through the people that are listening yeah. now, and I'm like, oh, oh, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's definitely more. All right, are we doing chapter 10? Yes, chapter okay. 10 meetings. Chef Britta and Taylor had flown into North, Norfolk on the Saturday afternoon and had gone straight to their hotel rooms to change. They managed to text Annie the news of their arrival, but Annie not wise been in touch. There was a loud knocking on Jeff's door. Aren't you really yet, Winger? Why did I get with that dead accent? Okay. <laughs> Aren't you ready yet, Winger? Come in, Britta. Jeff his jacket on, pause in front of the full length bird to adjust the hang fractionally. Not on it, his approval. And opened the door to his room. Britta was outside with Taylor standing a few faces away, looking at a fire extinguisher. Jeff scanned Britta from head to foot, then nodded. You do. Excuse me? If you are going to walk into this party by my side, you need to look as though you deserve to be there. As I said, you do. Grin at her. In fact, Britta looked very good indeed, but their friendship was based more on snap than compliments, so there was a code between these things that they both understood. You're a jerk, Winger. I bet that jacket alone cost enough to feed an African village for a week. Britta had stolen an appreciative glance of her own. And the shirt would pay for all well, he added cheerfully. 
Mommy. Ella had tottered over and was holding her arms in the air, begging to be picked up. Sorry, darling. Not in these shoes. Oh. Ask Uncle Jack. Oh. It was. Oh, wait. Where am I going? We said, oh, I should say. He's better, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, darling. But not in these shoes. Ask Uncle Jack. <laughs> it was his idea mommy dresses up like she's being auctioned off at a cattle market. Sheesh, Britta, do you know how hard it is to get creases out of this jacket? Complain about heat. Come here, Munchin. He said as Taylor tottered over to him. He was squeal in delight as Jeff effortlessly hoisted her. Annie and Paul were standing by the door of the function room they'd booked saying hello to guests as they arrived. It was Annie who was the first to see the elevator door open and Jeff walk out with Britta on one arm and a small child, Britta's presumably, in the crook of the other. As she saw how comfortable they looked together, she remembered something she'd thought the night of the conference when she'd seen Jeff for the first time in over four years. They have so much history together that I'm not part of anymore. Remembering the conference had another effect. She looked at Jeff more closely and recognized his outfit. Cream slacks, blue pale shirt, oh, sorry, pale blue shirt, dark blue sports jacket with only a yellow tie to add to a different, t different note, as the same one he'd worn that night. Annie blushed suddenly, remembering how that evening ended, and found herself wondering if that was why Jeff had picked it. Annie snapped out of her trance. Jeff and Britta, she said. <laughs> Annie could tell the exact moment when Jeff spotted her. He stopped talking to Britta in mid-sentence and then seemed to focus entirely on Annie as his eyes doubled in size. When did Annie start dressing like that? Put a muttered. You're doing okay. You're doing okay yourself, Jeff. She replied with a smile as she accepted his hug and pulled him in closer.
Annie swiftly moved on to her other friend. Britta, it's so great to see you. Another hug. And this must be Taylor. Aren't you the cutest little thing? Taylor was hiding shyly behind her mother's legs as Britta urged her forwards. Paul, this is my friend Britta. Britta looked confused for a moment. She messaged with Annie maybe once a week, then, then saw Annie's panic-stricken expression off to one side. <laughs> That's right, Britta said with a fake chuckle. <laughs> We're constantly catching up. Oh, is that... Britta saying it, or is that? Oh, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Britta laughed genuinely this time. <laughs> what? Jeff and me? Good grief, no. We're, we've circled that drain far too many times to go anywhere near it again. We're just friends now. Thanks, that would be nice. Puzzled by what just had happened, Britta turned away. Annie followed for a moment to show them where to put their presents and explain the arrangements that had been made for children. Paul's brother came up behind him. Yeah. Abed! Annie squealed. Her old flatmate had arrived barely 10 minutes after Britta and Jeff. He just managed to. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Um, we are so going to have a talk about what you've been doing in that show of yours. But the stern tone was bellied by the huge smile on her face. She looked past him with a nervous expression on her face. Did...
It took Annie a moment to realize that it hadn't come out of the tablet. She turned around hesitantly. Troy! She squealed, feeling another huge hug. Troy was grinning so as broadly as she was. Wait, what about New York? Troy was still smiling. Oh, <laughs> Troy. Annie's face had melted and she was hugging him again. Abed, Troy, meet Paul, my boyfriend. Hands were shook. <laughs> Then he noticed Annie shaking her head. He nodded his head slightly in understanding. Abed. I've... Oh, I've no idea. Troy and Abed always make their own rules. Oh my god, okay. <clears throat> Annie! Sherry! The two, <laughs> the two women had spotted each other and scurried into an excited embrace almost as soon as Shirley walked through the door. You look amazing! So do you! It's been too long. Uh... Huh? The speaker was a tall auntie. Oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, continue, continue, continue. Elijah, come here. And another big hug. And you must be Ben, she said to the younger boy hiding nervously behind his brother which did not help him escape yet another hug. Where's... But Shirley had already pulled out her phone and was passing it to Annie. It was a group picture showing a beaming Shirley with Ben and Elijah standing on her right side and a giant of a man looking resplendent in a dress blues on her left. Private First Class Jordan Bennett, United States Marine Corp., she said, her voice ringing with pride. He'd be here, but his holiday leave doesn't start until Monday. We'll be picking him up then and spending Christmas with my sister in Richmond.
for this uh-huh. last time. Now, if you'll excuse me, we have such a lot to, of ca- catching up to do. Any mouth a sorry at Paul and Shirley hold her into the function rooms where the others were gathered near the bar. Oh, <laughs> James. Uh-oh. Oh, no. We lost Ryan. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. You're good, you're good. Troy, this is Paul's son, James. And he smi- says, smiling. Oh. Paul had approached from an, from the other direction. Paul, and he had her formidable face on. Jeff, who was watching them, watching from the sidelines, thought she must have practiced it as it now looked genuinely scary, not just adorably stern. I haven't seen my, oh, I haven't seen my friends for five years, and Troy has to leave in less than an hour. Fine, and he sped out. You've got 10 minutes. Then I'm coming back, even if I'm in the middle of a sentence. Still holding her arm, Paul led her to the nearest group of guests. The, guest, uh, the group had temporarily broken up. Abed was helping the kids take selfies with Troy and appearing in a, few, uh, in a few himself with kids who recognized him as the director of Troy's latest video. And Shirley was making sure Elijah and Ben got more than their fair share of pictures, leaving Britta alone with Jeff. Okay, Jeff. What's going on? He 
Seriously, Jeff? Are you going to make me do this? Okay, then. How often do you message Annie? She turned to face him and was looking at him with an accusing expression in her eyes. It became my business when Paul told us I was constantly chatting to her, and I lied to cover up the fact that I have maybe one five-minute exchange a week with her. She snapped back. So it's either you, it's, it's either you she's messaging or sh someone else we both know so that she can get away with using me as a cover story. So unless you think she's having an affair with Craig, Britta let her voice trail off. Britta's face went white. Fine, Jeff, she hissed. Stew in denial and take it out on me all you want. But don't you say you weren't warned when whatever you two are up to crashes and burns around you. But Britta had pivoted on a heel and gone to check Taylor as was playing safely with the other children. Annie was somehow managing to make polite small talk with Paul's boss and his wife when she felt a hand on felt a hand then on her social. She was still turning when Troy started speaking. Smiling. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Somber? <laughs> if Abed noticed Paul's mood, he gave new. The crush lasted most of the first semester at Greendale. Oh, shoot! I'll just, I'll just. Oh, but by the time Troy was ready to return it, she'd long since moved on. By the time the three of us were sharing an apartment, they'd both moved on, and we're happy just being good friends. Annie's actually really good at staying friends with guys she used to have a thing for. It helps that she doesn't like to look back.
Dakota still hadn't come back when Troy went to dance with Annie, so feeling vaguely guilty, Jeff went to look for her. He didn't have to go far, as the children were playing in the neighboring room under the watchful eye of a couple of mothers who had volunteered for the job. Britta was standing a couple of steps inside the door, watching the children play. She didn't turn around as Jeff approached. He said softly. She was happily playing with a small Indian-looking boy wearing some sort of headscarf. Britta grunted, but didn't turn around. Uh, oh, that's my son, Navindar, another voice unexpectedly said. Jeff turned slightly and saw a tall man, oh, it was a man, <laughs> in a small, in a smart suit and turban walked up, oh, offer his hand. You can continue. <laughs> he, Oh, Whew. Jeff smiled. <laughs> Thank you. Your son's a real cutie, too. Britta put on a brilliant smile as she hooked her hand around Jeff's arm. Je Jeff raised an eyebrow. Britta smiled and her grip didn't falter. Punishing you. She said with an even broader smile. When word gets around that you have a child and a baby mother here, any hope you may have had of hooking up with somebody tonight will disappear. Britta flashed him a look that seemed to say, just how many years have we known each other exactly? Jeff sighed again. I'm...
Yes, it has. As you'd know, if you'd spent any time with us. Any snap back. <laughs> Your guess. Annie was looking tense and angry. Those, she nodded towards where Jeff had just walked over to join Britta and the others, are people I haven't seen for five years and who are still the closest I have to family and who I asked for this party to get them all together in, this, in the first place. I'm sorry, Paul. It's just... Look, after this dance, I promise to do another circuit of the room with you, okay? Are you asking me to dance, Jeffrey? You ain't never done that before. <laughs> okay. Oh, you did not just say you're going, you're only asking me to dance because you've got no other choice. <laughs> no, she was, <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> she smiled suddenly. Come along, boy. And grabbing his arm, she dragged him to the dance floor. Albert raised an eyebrow and offered Britta his arm. She shrugged and took it. They followed Jeff and Shirley onto the dance floor. Annie kept her promise and after the dance, let Paul take her to the circuit of the room. Concentrating on those guests they'd missed on the circuit that had been interrupted by Troy's departure. She found herself watching her friends on the dance floor out of the corner of her eye, though. And saw the mo the moment when the two couples met in the middle of the of the floor and swapped partners, though not before Britta appeared to give Jeff an earful, doubtless complaining about being treated like a character in a Jane Austen novel. She thought wryly, and then chuckled as she realized she was even feeling nostalgic for Britta's passionate but misdirected rants. She actively giggled as she heard the new track play. Albert would never be so brazen in one of his screenplays, she thought. <laughs> it's a long story, Paul. Oh, I mean, hell no, boy. I've been watching him. Albert's got some fine moves on him. She smiled at him. <laughs> hey, winger, Bruna said. I'm the one you should be asking. I'm not some delicate flower in a Jane Austen novel. Thrilled because the handsome rogue has designed, or no, dying, dying to notice her. Glared at him.
Okay. <laughs> you don't have to red. Okay. <laughs> Fall side. It was obvious that Annie was barely paying attention to any more as her friends finished dancing and headed back to the bar area. Thanks, Paul. Annie smiled, kissed him on the cheek, and skipped away. His mood wasn't improved. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> As he. <laughs> Annie was having the time of her life. Reconnecting with her friends had proved even better than she had hoped. After they had all caught up on their lives, it was, the, it was almost as though the last five years didn't matter. She was feeling buzzed and lightheaded from the martinis she had been drinking and increasingly starting to think that only one thing was missing to make the night perfect when she heard Jeff groan again as another familiar song started to play. <laughs> She smiled suddenly, grabbed Jeff's hand, and started to pull. Come on, Jeff. I know I'm not Craig, but... <laughs> Jeff was refusing to move. <laughs> All right. Oh, Annie stopped smiling and instead turned the corner of her lips down as her eyes, fueled by multiple martinis, appeared to double in size and glisten with... <laughs> And shed tears. Jeff sighed. <laughs> but he sighed and let her lead him to the dance floor. Her smile returned as though a switch had been flicked. The way it snows, eyes become large and the light. That you shine can be seen. That's all thing you guys are gonna get. Okay. <laughs> um, Paul had started walking across the floor as soon as he saw Annie started start pulling at Jeff's hand. He didn't actually get there until they uh, until after they are started dancing. However, so he sighed to himself, put on a smile, and turned to Britta. Oh, Jeff's not my boyfriend. Oh, what the hell? She smiled, took Paul's outstretched hand, and let him lead her onto the floor. Britta nodded. You really need to understand that Jeff and I are the only ones of our, our group who still see each other regularly. We get to see Abed perhaps once or twice a year, and we've seen Shirley three times since graduation. But this is the first time. Any of us have seen Annie in over five years, except for Jeff. And even he's only seen her twice in the last six And we all used to be so close. It's been great to get that feeling back again.
Britta, to be fair to her, didn't really understand what was going on. She was easily more than half drunk by the time of night and being expertly questioned by a top prosecutor who was stone cold sober. It took maybe a song and a half, perhaps two, but Paul found out about the second trip to DC in a, f in a phrase that seemed to mean something to Jeff, the girl with flowers in her hair. Paul had a sudden sick memory of seeing carnations in a glass on the coffee table one day after Annie had been working late in DC and she'd slept on the couch instead of coming up to bed. Was she un- oh, that's you. Annie had danced with Jeff four times previously. The first time had been at her Dias de la Muerta's dance when he redeemed an evening of selfish and devious behavior by pulling her into the middle of the crowd or middle of a crowded study room, doubling as a party venue and exuberantly swinging her around about the floor as their friends and classmates watched and cheered in which. If she was honest with herself, was the moment when the tangled mess of feelings and emotions she'd bottled up under the label of the Annie of it all began. We're gonna switch paragraphs for this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Their time had been the party during the group's fourth year. This dance had been a more bittersweet affair, as despite promises to stay in touch, there was a feeling in the air that they'd never be this close again, and they'd dance as though it was the last time, eyes locked on each other, no words being exchanged, and their friends giving them all the space they needed.
When Annie had dragged Jeff onto the floor, she had expected at any moment to be interrupted by Paul cutting in. He had been a he had been in a funny mood all night. But when she saw him dancing with Britta and engaging her in animated conversation, instead she smiled inwardly with relief and thought to herself how good it was that he was finally unwinding with her friends and making the effort to get to know them. And so she relaxed and concentrated on dancing with Jeff. The first two tracks, Kiss from a Rose and Tainted Love, saw a sufficiency of movement and jovial throwing around the dance floor. But when Demi Lovato's version of The Rose started up, Jeff raised an eyebrow and smiled in an implied question at her. <laughs> me, me neither. I'm just going to say it. Some say love, it is a river that drowns the tender reed. Some say love, it is a razor that leaves your soul to bleed. Some say love, it is a hunger. I don't know the song. Believe it or not, but there was a part of Jeff that understood he was dancing with another man's girlfriend, with him only a dozen feet away, and that what they were doing verged on grossly inappropriate. But there was also a part, a much larger part, and one very much in the driving seat that was going, This is Annie, and you may never get to do this again, and demanding he memorize the softness and warmth of her the scent of her perfume, the limitless blue of her eyes, and the way the corners of her lips were turned just so, or turned up just so. It's the heart, it's the heart afraid of breaking. Annie's thoughts were, if anything, even less coherent than Jeff's, but she was also thinking that Jeff would be flying back to Colorado the next day, and no one could tell when she'd ever get the chance to dance like this again. She simply couldn't bring herself to discard the opportunity. It's the one who won't be taken. And he had a brief but bitter moment of regret at the thought that if it wasn't for Jeff's personal issues and hang-ups, they could have had many more moments like this, and much sooner. But then she looked into his eyes, saw the soft, sad smile there, and realized that he was thinking the same thing. And then all she could think of was the heat of his hand holding hers and the burning sensation where his hand, his other hand was brushing the bare skin in the small of her neck or back. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> when the night has been too lonely. Your turn. Just remember in the winter, far beneath the bitter snows, lies the seed that with the sun's love in the spring comes the rose. She squeaked slightly as he grabbed her arm and proceeded to basically drag her towards the door. Do you have any idea at all of the way you two were dancing? Britta was glaring at him. What the hell, Paul? Annie finally managed to snap out, of, out after he let go of her once they were in the corridor outside the party room. What? You've gone crazy. I've only seen Jeff once in the last five years. When, we, when were we supposed to be sleeping together? Paul noticed with a certain bitter satisfaction how as white as a sheet and her voice seemed to fail her. Oh. What? No, it was nothing like that, I swear. Look, Paul, I'm sorry I didn't say anything, but nothing happened. I knew Jeff was in DC because of his Facebook post, and I had free afternoons, so we met up for lunch and I and a walk in the mall. That's all it was, I promise. It would have been so easy to arrange a hookup. I really doubt Jeff would have said no if I asked him, but we didn't. I wouldn't do that to you. Because I didn't want to deal with your damn jealousy, like now. Annie was getting angry at her, oh, angry herself now. Paul, please. There was a barely audible sob as Annie nodded. 
Paul sighed. His anger was starting to give away to give way to exhaustion, but there was still something he had to know. We had a few drinks and talked. Annie looked up, her face a mixture of pain, regret, and increasingly outrage. You want to know what happened, Paul? What really happened? Paul looked a step, took a step back as Annie confronted him. We kissed, Paul. Kiss. And do you want to know the really scary thing? It was Annie's turn to be outraged now. It was a great kiss. An amazing kiss. The best one I've had for years. And now it was Paul's turn to look as if he'd been slapped. But Annie's rage faded as fast as it rose. It would have been the easiest thing in the world to ask him to come back to my hotel room afterwards. But I didn't. I ran away from him and back to you. Does that mean anything? Oof. <laughs> Doesn't that mean anything? <laughs> Doesn't that mean anything? <laughs> Any side. Where does this where does all this leave us? Paul sounded. Oh. She took a deep breath and nodded. Paul. He said harshly. <laughs> Annie looked him in the eye, tried to open her mouth and close it again. She tried again, with the same result. She turned away. I'm sorry, Paul, but it's more complicated than that. Paul, please. <gasps> oh. 
Oh, damn. Ooh, we got very emotional there. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, one last chapter, maybe? <laughs> Just one last chapter? I'm trying to see if... Uh, I didn't realize how long that chapter was going to be. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Ooh, we're going to take a break. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> uh, <no. sighs> okay, we're good. All right. Chapter 11, Partings. Uh, can't tell if that's her. Okay, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Happy birthday, Annie. It had been a long time since Annie had felt like breaking down in tears, but she felt like it now. She was sitting on a chair in the corridor outside the function room, hosting the collapsing remains of her birthday party, trying not to catch the eyes of the people who were leaving and who were trying equally hard not to catch hers. I've been dumped. I'm homeless. And it's a week until Christmas. Even, even by my standards, this is a pretty crappy deal. She had a vague idea of asking Britta if she could crash in her hotel room for the night. But other than that, she was out of ideas. She didn't even have her car, as Paul had driven her so she could drink at her birthday party. Oh, right. Hey, is the seat taken? Annie looked up with surprise. Britta was standing there with a sad smile on her face and holding a bottle. Shirley was coming up behind her with her best concerned mom face. Oh, I'm sorry, Annie said. Her shoes were on the chair next to her. Her feet had suddenly decided to protest after spending something like five hours standing in ridiculous heels. So she picked them up and swept the seat with her hand. Are you guys sure you don't mind sitting next to the outcast? Don't do that to yourself, Annie, Britta said mildly as she sat down. Shirley just snorted as she sat down on Annie's other side. Here. Britta said as she passed over the bottle. Annie saw it, saw it was a still mostly full bottle of red wine. I stole it. Britta add, added cheerfully. You may want to drink up before somebody notices. Annie half smiled and brought her neck, brought the neck of the bottle to her mouth and took a big pull. Thanks. She passed it on to Shirley, who shook her head. I'm driving my two boys, miss. Annie smiled an apology and passed the bottle back the other way. Britta took a gulp. So, we heard, she said. You guys were kind of loud for a bit there. Oh, God. Annie's face went into her hands. I'm so... Then Paul came back. Took another... Britta took another slug of and announced what happened. Then Jeff went for him. What? Annie looked up in shock. Paul announced you guys had broken up and the party was over. When somebody asked why, and Paul said it was because you were cheating on him, Jeff went berserk. If your friend Atal hadn't gotten between them for long enough, or for long enough for Shirley and Opet to drag him into the room behind the bar, there would have been blood on the carpet. Britta sounded positively cheerful at that. It wasn't easy. 
Shirley said almost fondly. He's a big boy, and he was crazy. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Annie thought, how is he? She said, reaching for the bottle again. Britta let her have it. A mess, Britta said bluntly. He kept blabbing nothing had happened. You wouldn't have allowed it. Anybody who knows you would know that. And so on. Funnily enough, I think that's what convinced Shirley you guys were mostly innocent. He never once denied he could do it. But he was going he was going crazy at the thought people would think that of you. Britta looked over to Shirley for confirmation. Uh-huh, Shirley said in her sing-song voice. I'm not saying everything you two have been doing was right and proper. But that boy was so, wait, but, but that boy was the wrong sort of angry for somebody who had been caught cheating. Trust me, I know what it looks like. Her voice turned him grim towards. Oh, I know what it looks like. <laughs> Her voice turned grim towards the end. Annie took another swig from the now rapidly emptying wine bottle and inside sadly. <laughs> what about you, Britta? Britta reached over, took her friend's hand, and squeezed it. Hey, I'm here, aren't I? That seemed to be the last straw for Annie. She turned her head in her hands and let the tears out. Great. Silent, heaving sobs. Not knowing what else to do, Britta patted Annie on the shoulder to let her know she was still there while Shirley grabbed hold of one of her hands and held it in hers. He's my blade, isn't he? She said through her tears. I'm no, she said through her tears, not meeting anyone else's. I always thought I was too strong and in control to fall into that trap. I thought I could keep us as just good friends. We're not. We can't be. Tonight has made that clear, if nothing else. No, Britta said surprisingly. I don't believe I'm going to say this about Jeff Winger. But if he was a blade, he would have used you until he got bored and discarded you years ago. Blades don't care about you as a person. They care about what they can get from you. Think about my blade. Shirley sighed as well. I learned that lesson with Andre, she said. I gave that man the best years of my life and three wonderful boys. And he just took everything and tried to leave me with nothing. The Lord knows I don't approve of the way Jeffrey sometimes behaves around women, but I do know he'd never do that to you. Britta, Britta, took, Britta took the wine bottle back and had another sip as she nodded in agreement with, that, with what Shirley was saying. Jeff really cares about you, Annie. He cares about you so much that he's afraid to touch you in case he breaks you. He's never been like that with anybody else. He was never like that with me. Britta said the last sentence so quietly, Annie almost missed it. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> He's never been like that with anybody else. He's never been like that with me. Uh, Britta said with the last sentence so quietly, Annie almost missed it. Oh, I'm so sorry, Britta. Ancient history. Britta said, sat up, had sat up straight and taken another swig of the bottle. So you see, he can't, he can't be your blade. Or at least if he is, then you're his blade just as much. Britta went thoughtful for a moment. Or whatever the girl equivalent is, anyway. Annie 
took sharp looked sharply at Buddha at that. She knew Jeff liked her, of course, but that much? No, surely not. The idea she was his blade, that she could be anybody's blade, was ridiculous, wasn't it? She took the bottle back from Britta and took a sip to distract her thoughts. You've got to talk to him, Annie. Oh, this is Shirley, my bad. <clears throat> You've got to talk to him, Annie. You've got to talk to him, Annie. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Shirley added simply, until you two either get together or separate properly. This is just going to keep happening. <clears throat> You'll meet somebody. Convince yourself you're happy for a while. Then something will happen to remind you you're not with him. And something like tonight will happen. Annie looked appalled. I can't talk to him just now. I just can't. Not about this. Shirley looked disapproving. Uh, disapproving. That's a mistake, Annie. It's because you two don't talk about important things that you're in this mess you are. Britta passed the bottle back to Annie. I will talk, I promise. Just not now. Annie said as she took another sip of wine. Nothing to see here. Move on. Britta growled at strangers, at stragglers from the party who had stopped there. Um, Annie used the distraction to pull herself together a bit. Crap, crap, crap. My life is such a disaster, she panted out. Oh, whoop de fracking do, sister. Britta snarked. And Annie's eyes bright widened as she stared in surprise in, as Britta continued. If you want to know what a disaster looks like, look here. She pointed at herself. I mean, what? <laughs> I'm a 40-year-old single mother. I'm working three jobs to make ends meet. I'm in a relationship with Ian Duncan. And my best friend in the world is Captain Hairgel. And, you tell, and if you tell Jeff I said that, I'll... <laughs> what? Captain Hairgel? Annie had been shocked out of her misery for a moment. Britta smiled. No, the best friend bit. You can call him the other thing as much as you like. Annie smiled back, somewhat shakily. And do you know what the worst thing is? Annie shook her head. Britta took back the bottle and drank and, drank and continued. One of my closest female friends in the world, the girl who, had, who was like a sister to me throughout my college years, is an FBI agent. Do you have any idea what that, what that does to my radical credentials? The least you could have done is put me on a watch list or something. Annie actually snorted with laughter at that. <laughs> Sorry, Britta. I'll see what I can do, she said. It's okay, Britta smiled. And yet my life's still better now that it has been for years. Shirley snorted disapprovingly as she often did at Britta's somewhat casual attitude to law and order. But you, Missy. Oh. Hmm? But you, Missy, Shirley jabbed Annie in the arm with a finger to make her point. You're young, strong, and beautiful, which shouldn't matter as much as it does in the sexist, patriotical world. Britta grumbled in the background. Shirley ignored her and carried on talking. You're doing a job you enjoy, which you're good at and pays well, and you have friends who tr will travel across the continent to say happy birthday, even after five years without contact. There are literally millions of we women on this world, in this world <laughs> who would swap places with you in a heartbeat. She patted Annie's arm consolingly. <laughs> um, 
So you had a break, bad breakup, Britta said, then took another swig from the now almost empty wine bottle and resumed talking. Honestly, I thought it would be empty by now. <laughs> um, uh, face up to it and move on. It happens to us all at some point. It's the price of being a woman in a man's world. Learn from it. And remember this. You are Annie Edison, and you will be fine. There isn't a man in the world who deserves so much as a single tear for treating you like that. Shirley unhemmed and nodded vigorously in agreement. Annie sat up straight and nodded. Thanks, Britta. Jeff was right about one thing. You really have gotten good at this since giving up pot. Britta smiled. Yeah. He says that a lot, usually accompanied with a demand to start smoking again. I don't think you should, Annie smiled back. I think I prefer this, Britta. Me too, Britta stood up. Krupak? She held her arms out, the other two closed in for a long hug. Thanks, guys, Annie said softly. I needed this. What do you, what do you want us to do now, Britta said as they separated. You know, we'll all reschedule our return tickets to support you, right? Annie shook her head. No, Britta. That'll be way too expensive. I'll be all right. She had a shaky smile on her face. If you could just let me sleep in your room tonight, I'll be okay. Before Britta could answer, another voice spoke up. Annie looked like she might argue for a moment. Instead, she just smiled sadly. You didn't have to do that, but thanks. Oh, I'll, I'll be there with my boys first thing as well, Shirley said. We're helping you move, and you're not allowed to say anything other than thank you. Oh, my bad. Wait, what? Why is... Oh, thank you, Shirley. Okay, okay. Sorry. <laughs> thank you, Shirley. <laughs> Thank you, Shirley. Annie smiled tearfully. Uh, Annie went back into the now almost empty party room. The first thing she noticed was the pile of presents on the table by the door was much smaller than it had been. I'll know who my real friends are when I go through that lot and find out who didn't take their presents back, she thought sourly. The second thing she noticed was the small group sitting at the table at the bar, by the bar. Abed, Shirley's boys, and Jeff cradling a sleeping tailor. Annie suspected Britta or Shirley had passed the little girl to him to distract him and force him to calm down. They all stood up as she approached. Abed's face was expressionless, as always, and Jeff's, but she couldn't bring herself to look at Jeff. She tried to smile at them both, but her look was more cheerful than anything. Thanks for coming, guys. I really mean it. I'm just sorry about the way things ended. I've got to go now. Attell's letting me stay at his place. She pointed to her partner, who was gathering up the birthday presents. And they needed to leave. Let's do it again. Oh, and they need to leave. Let's do it again, but with a better ending, okay? She rushed forward and hugged Abed, sobbing a goodbye into his shirt. Britta and Shirley, who had both followed Annie in, stepped in for a, a firm hog and a final round of You'll Be Alright, 
You do know that. Britta took Taylor back from Jeff, and then, as if by unspoken agreement, the others retreated to the door where were Atel and his family were waiting, leaving Jeff and Annie alone. Don't, don't, Jeff, Annie interrupted. She was still unable to look him in the eye. I can't talk about this right now. I just can't. I'll talk to you when I know what I want. But until then, I need my space. I'm sorry. She turned her back and started to walk, or at least she tried to. But she only got a couple of paces before the pain overwhelmed her and she broke down into tears. Then she felt a pair of strong hands take her shoulder and gently turn her around. Arms enveloped her as she, pulled, she was pulled into his chest. He held her silently until she cried herself out and then released her with a soft, This time, she did manage to look him in the eyes as she nodded. Bye, Jeff. She turned and walked through the door past the others. Jeff watched her go. Annie was thankful that the next day, at least, was too busy to dwell on regrets. It started just after breakfast when she was nursing a strong cup of coffee to try and recover from an almost sleepless night. Shirley turned up as promised with her boys and entered the house somewhat nervously constantly looking around her <laughs> and looking as though she was fighting the urge to clutch the cross displayed around her neck. Oh no, Shirley said in her best passive-aggressive voice. I was just wondering where the elephant man was. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> that was so weird. What I what I <clears throat> oh, that's nice. Shirley suddenly looked much hap happier. What about? Well, that's something, I suppose. <laughs> Annie was listening with an almost nostalgic fondness as she remembered many conversations in the past, reflect and reflected that Shirley had not lost her, lost none of her ability to passively aggressively judge others and find them wanting. Oh, that was nothing. Annie smiled at a memory. One time, back at Greenville, she invited me to a pool party that turned out to be a baptism. Eyes on the road, Annie squealed before continuing. I'm not, actually. But you should remember that, as well as Shirley, our group of friends included a Buddhist, a Jehovah's Witness, a Muslim, atheist, an agnostic, and a Jew. Yes, she made no secret of her belief that we were probably all hellbound. As a result of our beliefs, 
lack of, but she loved, loves us all like a mother. In fact, Annie seemed to be on the verge of tears again as memories came back. She's been a better mother, mother to some of us than our actual mothers were. It's okay. It's difficult for people outside our understand the dynamic we have sometimes. Heck, it's difficult for us to understand it sometimes. It can be pretty weird. She smiled wryly at her partner. <laughs> what are you carrying, Shirley? Annie had just noticed her friend was actually bringing things into the house. She Shirley looked defensive and refused to answer. Annie went over to her and poked through the things she was carrying. Paint, eggs, shrimp? Shrimp? Shirley, what are you doing? Shirley grabbed back the shrimp. You unscrew the end of the of a curtain rail, slide a handful of these inside, and screw the end back on. As they go bad, they will stink his house out, and he'll never work out where the smell is coming from. She had a defiant look on her face. That boy is going to pay for messing about my messing about with my girl. Annie knew she should be appalled, but instead her face practically melted with happiness. Oh, Shirley, that's so sweet of you. She gave the other woman a hug. Put them away, please. I want to take the high road here. We'll leave this place tidier than it was when we arrived. Not even one curtain reel? Sorry, Shirley. <laughs> With five pairs of hands and three cars, emptying the house of Annie's possessions was a relatively quick job with no need for a return trip. As requested, Annie left the house on the kitchen counter and after thinking for a moment, pulled out a notepad and wrote a short message on it. Then she turned around, had one last check to see not that nothing had been overlooked and left the house and got in her car. Mattel led the way to his cousin's apartment where Annie was welcomed with a hug and shown where she could store her things. Only then, only then did Shirley allow her to say goodbye with a final hug and she was on her own again. That evening, Paul Randall returned home at sunset. He had a quick look around, but there was nothing left of Annie, and nor was there any sign of the petty vandalism his brothers and friends had warned him to expect. Last of all, he looked in the kitchen and saw the key in the note. He picked it up. Paul. I am so sorry for the way things I hope a time will come when you are able to think of me again without anger and hatred and remember that we were happy once. I really do wish you well in everything you do. Best wishes, Annie. Almost of its own... Oh, you can... Please, please say the last paragraph.
<laughs> I don't know. And I realized when we started this, I literally read for most of that chapter. And then for the last chapter, I read for most of that chapter, or at least half that chapter. Like, <laughs> oh, you know what's sad? I honestly thought he was talking, I thought Amory meant meant Chang <laughs> for some reason I forgot about Pierce I'm sorry um, but thank you everyone for coming to this read uh, I, usually Min and I I think we only read like one or two episode, uh, episodes uh, chapters I think I can't remember it's been a while but I just wanted to say thank you Amory for, for writing this and for being here he is the author of this magical fanfic. I almost forgot what it was called. I was going to say novel. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eight, nine. <laughs> I feel like this one was a lot more emotional so we got to like really act a lot more than than like the first seven chapters you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Min and I always did what we did we always like topped each other and we're like oh sorry <laughs> you know but yeah but yeah yeah I mean I I kind of have this like urge to kind of like look at it beforehand and just kind of separate and send you that and just be like okay you read this and then I read this you know kind of thing but that takes some time <laughs> maybe I'll do that for the next one. um but yeah thank you guys I'm gonna end this recording because it's really long anybody